All right, so fuck yes, welcome to After the Hype Meeting. Fuck, <laughs> I got two nope. in a row. Brian Dressel with me as always is Joey Darso. Hi, <laughs> Emily Blake. That went well. And Jonathan Artisy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of pulled the ripcord of that one. I was like, I'm not even gonna try to finish this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't have any excuses as to why that happened. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I have a kid, so I'm tired all the time. That makes sense, right? That yeah, works. Yeah. I can just use that for everything for the next like 18 years. And at a certain point, you're just like, the words just stop. And yeah. like, uh, you just, guys post a lot of pictures on Facebook, so I'm getting tired vicariously through you, just yeah, watching. It, it is exhausting. Yeah. But you know, you get used to it. It's pretty then, exhausting watching your friends yeah. get tired, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has started sleeping 11 hours through the night like every night, oh, so nice. I'm feeling pretty good about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Man, can you imagine yeah. sleeping 11 hours a night and not yeah. feeling guilty about it? Oh, okay, I was like, yes, I can. I used yeah. to do it all the time. <laughs> you actually, as an adult, you feel terrible the yeah. next day. Well, so does he when he wakes up. Uh, he's, he's very he's, hungry. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Good times. But this isn't the parenting podcast. So we'll say hi to Johnny Recker. Hi, oh, Johnny. Hi. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Johnny I'm back. back on. Yes. I, I felt bad only having you on to do a battle. Like Usually you like diving into movies. And, sure. And although you got to dive into M&R. I dove into that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and re-listening to it, you really dove into Child's Play. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. I just I think it's it, uh, weirdly to to rehash other episodes, but I I love the art form and I think it works very well for horror. And yeah. I mean, there's a new Puppet Master movie out that I'm dying to see. I don't understand with how there's Thomas so Lennon. many of those. I mean, because it's like, Nazi puppets. There's like, yeah. like what? Are they Nazis? Yes, they are <laughs> the creation of an old gnarly Nazi dude. Yeah, so Nazis still bringing it as villains. Still bringing it, still? Uh, even in puppet form. Yeah. <laughs> so still bringing it to town. Yeah. Anyone I also mean, in in real life. Yeah, she to come ra- with their re- their anniversary rally was a big dud apparently. Oh yeah, only like twenty people. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, they were like, so afraid of. Antifa's. Yeah, we're yeah. afraid oh, no. of coming out of our homes. No, poor Nazis. I never actually <laughs> intended to come to this thing, but. Look good. I forgot my tiki torch. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't have any more at Home Depot. <laughs> Come on, Nazi shop at Walmart. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm taking the dig at Walmart, but fuck it. Why there not? goes any sponsor. Yeah, there goes that sponsorship <laughs> right up. Walmart was like, we were going to sponsor these guys. That's this it. is the episode that broke the back. <laughs> Wait, ah, oh, you can't be that accurate. Get out of here. Double down. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move into a where have you been doing. Johnny, would you like to go first? Oh, sure. Uh, two quick ones. Uh, rewatch the... A- I just started The Alienist, which I had missed on its first run, and it's good. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like Victorian uh, SVU, um, which if that's your flavor, but it also tries to actually deep dig. It tries to be as woke as you can be for still being in, like, 1890. Okay. So it, it it's interesting. Um but worth a look. If it, if you thought it looked like a boring TNT show, uh, maybe check it out when it reappears. Cool. Um, the other thing was, and I think kind of pursuant to what we're doing here, uh, I for our anniversary, Ray took us to Just Float in Pasadena, and I got to do like a sensory deprivation tank experience. I hear those those always cool. make me feel uncomfortable. Like the thought of it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, like great. I don't think I'd I- like it. Yeah, Ray was a little, she was a little bit more worried that she'd get claustrophobic and yeah. whatever. I was like, sign me up. Like, turn out the lights. Let's do this. Like, Did let's you get weird. Um, I don't know if I hallucinated. I definitely, I feel like I mildly disassociate. Like, by the time the lights come back on at the end, they're on a timer. I was huh. like, whoa, what? Huh? What? It was a very annihilation y feeling of like, <laughs> was that an hour? What? You know, I remember vaguely, I was like, was I asleep? I, I don't think I was asleep, but. Is there like a, oh shit, ripcord? 
Like if you do feel claustrophobia? Oh yeah, there's a big like a big child button that you can either turn music or the lights on. Oh, okay. That you can just reach out and hit. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was fun and weird. Did, <laughs> Ray, did Ray end up enjoying it? Yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah, she had a good time. It was. I think it takes. You know, the first one they take. You got to float and yeah, settle and it, it takes a minute. But I would do it again, definitely, and I think she would too. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I will go. I decided since I'm a stay-at-home dad these days, I have a lot of time on my hands, which I did not expect because apparently when you're only taking care of a two-month-old, they don't do a lot. Um, so I've been leaving just franchises on TV and just like rolling through them. And I decided to watch all of the Phantasm movies because I have never seen them before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people had told me that this is like one of the best horror franchises ever. And some of them said it's one of the worst. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I landed somewhere in the middle. Like, I think it's, uh, it's decent. I think, uh, is it the one with like a floating ball? Yeah. The, the ball that drains your brain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, drills your brain. It's a, it will drills and drains at the same time, actually. Um, it's a, it's a fun franchise. Like the whole franchise exists because of that one scene in the first movie where the ball kills a guy. Cause like, holy shit, that was cool. We should make more of these movies. If it wasn't for that, I don't think it would have taken off, but it, it was, it was good. Like I enjoyed it. Like they, they definitely make a main character out of a guy who should never be a main character in anything. Uh, he's not a good actor. He's not particularly attractive. And nope. he just. Oh, Reggie. Yeah. Oh, Reggie. <laughs> he's listening to this podcast and crying. No, he's listening I will to not sponsor going, this podcast. This was the episode that broke it. <laughs> this guy, this guy would go, Yeah, it makes Reggie. sense. Yeah. Third third movie I ever worked on in LA, I worked with Reggie. Uh, how was yeah. he? He was great. Yeah. <laughs> just brought the Reggie. Yeah. I mean, you're not, he's not going to do much more than that, but uh, he, he brought, brought the, the Reggie. Reggie. He definitely did. Did he have a quad barrel shotgun? Oh no, no quad barrel shotguns. Uh, he was he he just like threw an old to the side. That's only in the second movie. He uses it throughout the rest of the franchise. But if I if I had to rank them, I'd probably go three, three, five, one, four, two. Um, I love one. Like it's the original, but there's really nothing to that movie. Uh, three is like the reason, and then I'll stop talking about it. Three is where they finally had the budget that Don wanted. And he can make the movie he wanted to make. Because two, they had the biggest budget, but Universal's like, "Fuck you, you're making our movie," and he was kind of ham-fisted into making a eh, movie. Um, but three is kind of where everything came together and he's able to make something kind of cool. And then five is just pure fanfare bullshit nonsense. And it's if you've enjoyed it up to that point, you will keep enjoying it. If I saw pure, what'd you say, pure fanfare bullshit nonsense yes. Yes. on the cover of a DVD, I would definitely buy that DVD. I mean, that's... Pretty sure that's the tagline for the next Sharknado movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you've enjoyed any of them, just turn on five. Because this is like, oh, this is what they just could Fuck it. Like, the entire movie is just fuck it. It's called Phantasm <laughs> 5 Ravager, but it should just be Phantasm 5. Fuck it. And uh, I, it, it was... I enjoyed it. I, I would recommend them... If you have nothing better to do, that's not the most. <laughs> that's the highest recommendation. Everything you've said about this movie is amazing on the copy yeah. of the DVD. Check it out if you have nothing better to do. Fuck it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a next up your new business venture where you where you write copy for people's movies. Yeah. Uh, if and you've my, got nothing else to do tonight, <laughs> check it out. Maybe <laughs> or take a nap. Whatever. And Dressel after the hype. <laughs> The only other thing that I'll mention uh, is Venture Brothers is back on TV, and so far the first two episodes have come out. Uh, well, as of this coming out, the third one has, and I'm sure if it's anything as good as the first two, this season's shaping up to be one of their best. Oh, nice. So, so, so good. But, you know, listen to Venture Bros. You hear me talk about that. That's it for me. Uh, one of the things that I did 
while I was away on being pregnant and having a kid was I watched all of the new Cloak and Dagger, hmm. uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it takes what was a story in the 80s about two teenagers who got into the dr- like taken advantage of by a drug lord in New York and puts them in uh, New Orleans where they have been wronged by a corporation who's doing some bad things to the environment. Uh, so it's a big, more modern take, I would guess, because, you know, the drug war was huge in the 80s and it's not so huge anymore because we lost. Uh, we lost bad. <laughs> um, Depends on which side of we are on. Well, everyone that doesn't want people dying of heroin. Well, yeah, they lost bad. Yeah, we lost bad. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I don't know if any of you guys at the yeah, table watched like it. it. I'm obsessed with Tyrone's accent because he enunciates his words in this really unusual way. And yeah. I just I want to just hear him keep talking all the time. I didn't even notice his accent. Oh, he just he he enunciates really huh. clearly, but in like an un- it's it's beautiful. I mean, both of the actors are very good. Yeah, they're very different. Where he's very raised in an affluent family, who even though they are very well to do, still get downtrodden by the cops because they're black. He loses his brother because he's just a black guy, essentially. Who the there's a stereo thing, but it's really dumb. Uh, and she was was well to do until her dad died, and now her mom is a drug addict in a trailer park, and she somehow lives in a a massive church where no one else knows how to get in with. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> she crawls in through windows and some stuff. reason, but then other people just come in through oh, the door. <laughs> I uh, don't get it. I see the scenario. She just gets to the window, and then everyone's like, "The, the door." <laughs> I can explain it, by the way. Comics. <laughs> this Done. is a, a whatever. Um, <laughs> But I lo- I really enjoyed how they dealt with the modern problems in what was very much an 80s setting for the original take on this, but they've updated it very well. Uh, and the juxtaposition between the two characters and what they want and what they need and how they can get it, how they both have severe anger issues and how they're dealing with that. And it was- the only thing I was disappointed kind of at by the ending, because it went from interesting, interesting, interesting... Zombies. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh. They did fridge a male character, though, which was pretty... pretty they, they literally amazing. fridged they a male literally. character. And that they were well weird. aware of what they were doing. Yeah. Was uh, his name Kyle Rayner? Because that would no. be too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that in the next season, they do better with their ending and they don't just go with the zombies mm-hmm. ending, because that is so but, overused. Are they doing Marvel zombies? Because that'd actually be kind of cool. No, I don't want them to do that. Oh, man with man thing. When man thing shows up in season two of Cloak and Dagger, yeah. we're all getting on board. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed the show. I look forward to the second season. Cool, Emily. Uh, I saw two movies last weekend that were both great examples of why diversity behind the camera matters. Um, Black Klansman was fucking great, and um, it uh, it made me actually. I did a whole big post on Facebook that kind of went around and pissed off my mom. Um, that was about like uh, how it made me think about my ingrained prejudices and where they come from and um, and you know how I could do better and but it was just really it was also just wildly entertaining and funny but then it was one of those movies one of my favorite things is when you're laughing 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 and then all of a sudden you're like oh shit and Black Klansman was definitely one of those really like, ha 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 oh fuck racists are still around 
Um, and then I also saw on the complete other end of the spectrum, I saw The Spy Who Dumped Me, which was obviously written by a woman. A man could not, well, it was co-written by a male-female team, but it was directed by a woman. It, this movie could not have made by only men. They would never have made it because it was about female friendship first and foremost. And, um, and it was just this really fun, fucking fun, um, a little female gazy because they got uh, Sam from Outlander on there. And yeah, they do take a shirt off. And uh, and but the girls are just like a team and there's never a moment when there's any competition between them. They're just friends. The the the, the conflict in the story is more internal for Mila Kunis's character. And then there's all this action and it's amazing and it's just over the top. It's clearly made by a woman. It was directed by a woman who understands female friendships and also really fucking loves spy movies because all of the spy movie tropes are in there. And it's like but they kind of make fun of them. But in a way that's love. It's like I love spy movies. So it's someone who really, really loves Bond. You can tell she just watches a lot of James Bond movies so um, I enjoyed it very very I enjoyed both movies so it's a good week at the movies I, I really wanted to see that movie I, I just in the poster with all the references to James Bond yeah. I, was like, I saw it with the six other women and yeah. so it was ridiculous we were just well, like woo and then afterwards all talking about naked men and it was great that like a double it was a double feature Spy Who Dumped Me and Magic Mike XXL with a bunch of women and gay men would be the just perfect Mimosas. Cool. <laughs> mimosas. John? Cool, cool. Uh, to kind of bridge us into the movie we're talking about, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, I went on a camping trip with my family for the first time. We're not really big campers. We're indoor indoorsmen <laughs> and uh, introverted. So we decided to step out of our comfort zone and take two kids, a five-year-old and a couple-month-old, uh, out in the woods with a bunch of other families. And it was really fun. Um, and sort of like uh, the movie we're going to talk about, there's a little bit of disorientation every time you wake up. Like... I'm in this strange wooded place with all these strange things. What are these animals, creatures, outdoor stuff? Very weird. Uh, I almost got ran down by a deer. Uh, we were just making some coffee in the morning, and this deer just started charging through, and it was like, quick, get the kids out of the way. This thing is on a rampage. <laughs> it was weird. But uh, yeah, it was really fun, a learning experience, and uh, I would probably do it again, which is weird because, again, I'm an endorsement. <laughs> It's good to branch out. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, branch. Out. I know. Yeah. Right? yeah. We also got to see a lot of fucking gold today. <laughs> <laughs> it's on it's fire. Like the third great pun Chewie's made this morning. <laughs> Woo. So yeah, good times. Good times. Nice. All right. I guess we should jump into the movie for today. Uh, a little bit before we get started on this one, I was gonna read reviews, but the reviews are so fucking all over the place that I find it. Kind of find it pointless. Shocking. Um, that there wasn't a general consensus over nope, this movie. Not a general consensus. But we did have a general consensus of, uh, again, no offense to our wonderful guest, Johnny, and I love that he's here, but we try not to have people on repeatedly all the time just because, you know, we like to keep things yeah, fresh. Freshen and, it up. Yeah, freshen it up a little. And fucking no one wanted to talk to us about this movie, and I find that very interesting. We reached out to a number of people, all of which went, oh, yeah, I'd love to be on. I love After the Hype. Great. Thank you. I'm. You know, they didn't say that, but they did to me. Uh, but it's like, great, okay, awesome. What are you talking about? Annihilation. Oh, ah, I'm busy that day. I'm sorry. And it's like, really? Which is weird because when I saw this, the first thing I wanted to do was talk to people. Exactly. About it. Yeah. I thought, yeah. bring me in for the weird ones, gang. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to come in and pontificate on the odd ones yeah, that this, no one that are very divisive. I believe I you're on for this one as well. This one kind of reminded me of Mother. Of like, it just like sure. you finished it and you're like, okay, I need to talk about what the hell that just was. 
Uh, and I'm excited to do that today. So today we are talking Annihilation by Alex Garland. Came out earlier this year. Uh, the reviews, critically, were through the roof. And fan-wise, they were through the ground. And we're <laughs> going to try to talk about why that was. Uh, I, as I was watching it, like I couldn't believe someone actually, like it got made. I can't like, believe I Paramount like, I made this. Yeah. Like, oh. that Paramount went, okay, they, yeah. They tried real hard to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> they tried so hard to. They tried to sell it to Netflix, and Netflix was like, yeah, maybe. Nah, never mind. Yeah. Maybe they just. <laughs> Go ahead. I was, I'm really sad. Well, what was the guy's name that was in charge of Paramount when this and Mother got made? Uh, Brad Gray. I'm gonna, I don't want him to go, because honestly, he, he's the only uh, one that has been greenlighting. He passed away. Oh, he, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> she really didn't want really? him to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't he, know he didn't no died. <laughs> yeah, he died. He didn't of, I, I knew either. he wasn't yeah. in charge of Paramount anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's not in charge of Paramount, and he passed away. <laughs> That's just such a shame on multiple levels. When he died, too. <laughs> <laughs> no other studio is even trying to make groundbreaking films anymore well, there's not a lot of money in it i know no. that's the thing. but there's no that's money the... in monster trucks either which he also greenlit so oh, brad bray he... had his ups and downs he had his ups and downs <laughs> but, but also that movie wouldn't have gotten made either so like <laughs> in, in, a way, in a way it's kind of groundbreaking in a different Man. direction <laughs> my nephew loves that movie though like hard yeah well a four-year-old came up with it so <laughs> oh, it makes yeah, sense. yeah i mean that, that takes guts within itself <laughs> A four-year-old came up with this idea. Let's make a movie. Yeah. Honestly, that worked like gangbusters for me with The Fall. I love that movie. Oh, The Fall's so good. Uh, And that was essentially co-written by that little girl because they didn't really have a tight script. Yeah. Uh, It's just... That sense of adventurism in filmmaking will be missed. I'm really sad. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And it's and that's a good example of how execs don't have to be the enemy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they yeah. can be great and they can do he, amazing things. He was the enemy to the stockholders of Paramount, but <laughs> right. I think we writers and people on that side of the line have a tendency to see execs as like these evil yeah. people who are always trying to kill your creativity and ruin your movie, and that's no, just not always he, the case. He yeah. wanted yeah. you to try, but then he also wanted Michael Bay to make all the Transformers movies. Like I said, ups but and that downs. That was making them money. <laughs> That's yeah, true. that's true. Yeah. You gotta have that's that true. in I, order to have an annihilation. I I can't argue with that. And it uh, just cu- that him going away, coupled with how everyone just wants escapism right now. There's no dramas. There's no. like no dramas in the theaters, and if there is one, it doesn't make money. No one really wants to watch any movies that challenge yourself, unless they're still funny in some way. Like well, the, Black the dramas Batman. exist; they're just Oscar yeah. Beatty like yeah, no, period usually, pieces. There's usually like one a year that we all agree is the good one, and we'll go see that one, and then we'll give a best picture at the end of the year. Well, like, sorry yeah. to bother you, was already as fuck. So, yeah. I mean, that's a. But that, uh, that didn't have a major studio behind it, did it? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I saw it at the Lemley, so probably not. Uh, <laughs> all right, we should move into Annihilation. Uh, that's our good postmortem on Brad Gray, which yeah. no, guys, it is a bummer. Prolong this R. as long as possible. <laughs> oh, I hate this. Okay, Annihilation. You ready to do this, Johnny? Speaking of mortality, sure. I'll say I'm probably going to just like um, story, not necessarily the presented chronology of the movie. That's I'll probably a good idea. Well, that's one thing we need to discuss. Spit it all out. No, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll spit it all but out. I wish you luck. Here we go. Annihilation. Jesus. In 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go. Okay. Uh, Lena is a 
former military biology professor. Uh, her husband is in special forces. He comes back mysteriously after being gone for a year uh, and then gets very sick. And then the government swoops in and takes them to a secret place where apparently he was on a trip into this thing called the Shimmer because a comet hit a lighthouse. And so she bands a team together uh, with Dr. Ventress to go into the Shimmer uh, to try to figure out if she can save her husband. Uh, things are being mutated wildly. Oh, God. And no. <laughs> and you're out of time. No, nope. Damn it. Ooh. That was bad. That was real bad. <laughs> I that mean, was real bad. I, I'll, I will understand that, you know, it, it is a very dense movie. But Damn it. You still failed horribly. I failed. <laughs> I, I, I did real so good on Mother, and yeah. I just ate it yeah. on that one. Um, I practiced I in the shower. A story. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, well shame well, on you. But you could have just I'm, said Natalie Portman is sad her husband was is sick and found out she was cheating on him. Yeah. I mean, that. Sure, you could have that's said that. That's most of her motivation. <laughs> yeah. would be a failure. He's had a lot of stories. Oh, man. If you told me that's what this movie is about and I went to see it, I'd be so fucking pissed. That would pissy. be great. I, I that think would actually that be funny. Would've, that would be a better. Yes, just I think we should start pitching horror and sci-fi movies to all of our friends like that. Like, man, it's just a really sad, like, poignant family drama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And be like, so when the spaceship crashed into the planet in the first ten minutes, you're it's like, oh, symbolic. oops, it is. Yeah, The Strangers is about a couple that wants to stay home for a week because they're having a bad, a bad night. internet. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry I failed you. Now you have to go see the movie. <laughs> Uh, okay, so diving into Annihilation, uh, should we clean up the rest of the story yeah. for people who haven't seen it? Yeah. Um, how far did you get? I already forgot. You got- Oh, they walked into the shimmer. <laughs> That's I got them walking into the shimmer. Things are, things are mutating. And things are mutating. Ooh. Uh, so let's clean up just a little bit of the rest of it so we can actually kind of move through this without being confusing. So as they, they get into the shimmer, correct me if I'm wrong, so they get in the shimmer, they start moving Closer and closer to the lighthouse. As they get closer to the lighthouse, shit gets weirder and weirder. Time gets weird. Time gets weird. Because the lighthouse is where the shimmer began. Yes. That's why yes. they're headed there. Yeah. So then as they get closer, their DNA keeps mixing more and more with just everything. They find that the shimmer is just reflecting everything. So it's not just reflecting light or sound or air. It's everything. So your DNA is mixing with everything around you at all times. Animal, time. mineral, vegetable, and everything. it really yeah. seems specific to each person what kind of mixing is actually happening. Yeah, which mm. I, we'll, we'll get into that too because there's a lot of interesting things to kind of delve into this. But basically, so at the end of the story, she gets to the, the lighthouse where she's fine. Dr. Ventress is giving herself over to the Shimmer uh, and then she turns kind of into a new version of the Shimmer, I think, maybe, or was just eaten by it, maybe. Uh, and then the Shimmer tries to overtake Natalie Portman, and Natalie Portman hands it a grenade and then runs away, but not totally unscathed and is still part of the Shimmer while not being a full version of the Shimmer like her yeah. husband before. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much where it goes, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. From Ish. what we understand, <laughs> yeah. from other people can, might have different ideas. Yeah, and uh, I think that's kind of like the best place to start with this thing is like, what what do you guys think happened? Do you oh, think it's as straightforward as it is? Like, as it appears on screen? Do you think it was more muddled and Well, hidden, depending or? on the consensus we get, kind of changes how I feel about it. Because the way I saw it and read it was that it did take her over. She's not herself. They're both not themselves at the end. And the, kind of that obvious way that they could have gone about it. I was like, what? Why did, like... So so that's the way I saw it. But, I, like, I was hoping it had been, like, no, she didn't... She succeeded, was what my hope was. And that she decided to choose to stay with the, the new 
shimmer guy. So, so here's where I'll, I'll, this is how I took it, and I, I did do some online research. I shouldn't say I entirely came up with this on my own, but okay. I, I kind of took what other people had said and kind of what I had seen, and this is where I ended with it, was that uh, Oscar Isaac's character was totally the mirror image of himself. He is the shimmer, and he left the shimmer as 100% shimmer man. Okay. Uh, Natalie Portman went into the shimmer. She almost had the same thing happen to her, but she is able to hand a grenade and then run out, but she's still totally affected by the shimmer because she's still in there for who knows how long. So right. she leaves totally affected. So when she comes out, you have the shimmer who is now only Oscar Isaac because the actual thing is gone. And he sees Natalie Portman as, Oh, that is part of me. So he has basically, you have the creator and the creation together again. Okay. That's how I took it. I saw it as well. Cause earlier in the story, she checks her DNA, her, she checks her blood and right. discovers that she's already changing. Yep. So I think that she was refracted just like everything else, and it mixed. Everything Everything it touched, it didn't change them into something new. It, I mean, it did, but it didn't, like, overtake it. It changed it into, right. like, yeah. a combination of things. So I think at the end, she's still Natalie Port, or she's still, what's her name, Lena? Lena, yeah. Lena. yeah. She's still Lena, but she's also the Shimmer. And I think the same thing happened to Oscar Isaac's character. I think he is still that guy, but he's also the Shimmer, and they're both, well, like, see, new people. I see it that way, too, is, even though he's the copy... He's but a I copy, think yeah. that is part of that process because it really doesn't take form. It mimics her, and then when they touch, it starts to really pick up her characteristics when they physically touch. Mm -hmm. So I always took it, and I think holistically in my head, I like the idea that they are now both other. Like, they have now both come out of the Shimmer. The Shimmer, as an entity, is gone in its original form. Right. And then you have these two now new life forms. Mm -hmm. That are that are this commingling of a, a pure human specimen and the shimmer, and now they're left together as these yeah. two things that only really have each other. Mm. I was really thinking of her as a hybrid. Was the word I was mm. thinking? Is yeah. That she's well, and I think like for me that boils down to the last shot of the movie where both their eyes were doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And well, I was like, that's where I was like, okay, so you're trying to say that she wasn't herself, or was she the fuse? Like, it left that ambiguity where I think it shouldn't have been. I'm fine with the ambiguity. If it's done well, I'm, I'm always fine with it. When it's not done well, I'm like, okay, just pick, pick a fucking side. Because but, I think what, what works about it being ambiguous is that he's not sure. He says, like, I, I don't, don't think so. Thinks, like, yeah. I don't think I'm the same guy. And since he's not sure, that's okay for us to not be sure either. But then yeah. the movie, like, tells us that. Like, it shows us yeah. that he's not the same guy. But here, here's where, I to think, kind of jump back to what Johnny was saying a second ago, the main yeah. reason why I think that they're different and they're not both just the same version of, like, he's copy but different and she's Natalie Portman but different is because otherwise I don't think we would have spent time seeing her defeat the copy. Because he didn't. He died. Like, he killed himself and the copy walked out. I don't think mm -hmm. we would have seen her successfully. So then the reader's Here's, that here's the copy... something funny, though. Here's something funny. In that video, the assumption is that the person who's really out of it and who's kind of, like, not there at the moment is the copy. And that uh, Kane is yeah. the one who's destroying himself. Oh, okay. But what if... Huh. What if... Because it's... It, it, again, they lead us a certain way. But what if the thing we see light itself on fire is the copy I made man. That. Yeah, and all true. of a sudden yeah. it's like, I don't know. Cause Kane's just been in there soaking up rads, right? Yeah. Sorry to get real fallout about it. But like, <laughs> so the guy who's completely disassociated and kind of mumbling around and be like, uh, well, cause like, one of the things he says is I, th I think I know who I am. And he's really confused when he blows himself he up also about who he is. He has a completely different voice. I don't know if you guys mm. noticed that. Yeah. His accent and it's everything Southern. is completely different. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good point. I, I didn't even think about that. So it, it and very well could be that. Correct me if I'm wrong. He left with the slick back hair. He left yes. Natalie Portman. Yes. So then in the picture, in the video, the one behind the camera had the slick back hair. So like, 
Yeah, I could see your, that read on The it. only thing I would say against that is that the one that blew himself up, his hair was muddled, and his hair was really muddled in the video. Yeah. When they're going through the guy's okay. intestines. Yeah. So it's cool. I think what's cool about the movie is that, like, yeah, you don't know all these things, so you have to sort of figure it out. And in a way, it doesn't matter because the people who come out of there are not the people who went in. Yeah. They're also mm-hmm. not the shimmer. There's some kind of weird combination of those two things. And where, which, which are they real? Are they not real? Doesn't matter now. And are they? Yeah. Is it like an annihilation thing where it's going to keep spreading? Like they're going to quote unquote infect other people? I don't think or so. Or are they just surviving? Yeah, well, I think no, they're I just mean, surviving. They did say like the the whole movie is about you know. Uh, Annihilation. It is about right. the death and deconstruction of pretty much everything. Everybody who goes into that shimmer has a death wish of some sort. Uh, like either they have cancer or like they, they, they don't want to live anymore or their daughter has died. Like there's something that they're all depressed. Like the whole movie is very death, death, death. Um, so it is kind of interesting that I think when they come out and they're both alive, like I, I think that that shimmer wants to continue what it was doing. Like it might not be able to do it with the big death bubble anymore, but I, I don't think that they're just going to live their lives. I think. When it sa- like when um, Ventress says it wants annihilation, I think that's the only thing it wants. Like when Natalie Portman said, "Did it?" Like she was asked, "Does it want anything?" She's like, "I don't think it wanted anything. I think she's lying. It did want something. It wants to change the whole world." Oh, see, I I have a completely different take on on that bit of it. Really? I think that that Portman, I think Ventress was looking for something in a very like I love this thing as kind of a neo embodiment of like the Lovecraftian idea of like a cold, uncaring universe. Sure, I think that that Portman has the right of it at the end because she's now a part of it and she understands it. And she, when she looks at, uh, Bexham or whatever, uh, I, Benedict Wong, who's amazing for the 10 minutes he's in the movie. Um, she's like, no, it's not evil. It's not, it's not that classic space invader narrative. You know, I, I see it as this thing that just got this literal life form that gets hurtled through space lands and has a complete, almost cosmic innocence. And it's just doing what it does. It's an experiment. But it's, it's just doing what it does. It's it's not mean. It's not even trying to take children over. Children are very destructive. Well, yeah, it's, it's just kind of yeah. reaching out. It's, well it's just reaching but out for whatever it has. It's kind but, of doing its thing like cells that like Portman yeah, talked about yeah. in the beginning. Yeah? It's yeah. a process. I, the movie is very adamant to make sure that we know Natalie Portman is a liar. They make that a point time and time it's again. In our yeah. face. Natalie Portman's character is a liar. So they make sure that our narrator is not trustworthy. And they tell us that yeah. over and over and over. And they construct that shot where she says that Natalie Portman's a liar, where she's looking at the camera yeah. specifically, where we're Natalie Portman for a yeah. moment. You are yeah. a So they do construct so I, that. That's where I'm like, I don't trust anything she says to Benedict Wan because we are told the whole movie not to trust her. She's mm. an untrustworthy narrator. So that's where, like, as much as I want she, to she believe... She withholds like, information. She's a cheater. She cheats on her husband. And yeah. all this stuff where she makes vows to somebody and then she doesn't either... T- ah, blah, 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 I'm losing my words. words. <laughs> Annihilation. I think they're ma- <laughs> By the way, I think their marriage is going to be a lot better from now on. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, the, well, the well, marriage they, is going to yeah. be There's way a, better. a literal part of them yeah, in, yeah. in each yeah. other. No, yeah. it's going to be good. Uh, well, the shimmer sex will be great. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be guys, so pretty. That other guy's going to be like, hey, Lena, you want to get it? And she's just like, you can't offer me what's going <laughs> oh, on. My God. I hope there's lens flares everywhere when they have sex. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she's established as a woman who has many regrets in her life. Uh, she withholds information from people, and then she feels really guilty about it when they find it out, like when her husband found out that she was cheating on him, 
and then the other girl found out that she withheld the information that he's her husband and all this other stuff. Like, she, yeah, she is not a trustworthy narrator. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think part of that is just like, and I think what Alex Garland's maybe swinging at here is that like there's an inf- it, the, it's about infinite complexity, and I think that this movie, even in its structure, even mirroring something classic like Aliens. Like, even them, you know, walking into the Shimmer, the way that we see the Shimmer, the way that we see the base, like, we don't really jump into its perspective, except for that one shot at the beginning to be like, look, Comet, boom, and we discover it organically. But I think the whole movie is a lot about inherent complexity. The movie's about complexity. So, like, I don't, you know, is the thing an evil space invader, or is it just doing what it's supposed to? Sure. Is Natalie Portman flawed and conflicted and has like a weird relationship with the truth is she honestly seeking as a scientist is she honestly trying to do something noble to help her husband yes like and i think it's just it's all the whole movie is about complexity and duality and i so i I don't see her necessarily as a liar Mm -hmm. like hard like this is your defining characteristic. You are a liar. I see her as a complex, conflicted person, a very round. Yeah. No, like, yeah. I just, I'm it, not saying that she's defined by being a liar, no, but she no. is one. But that does suggest, that does cue us in on how to approach this movie in some respects, yeah, too. Yeah, because everything is told from her point of view. It's all from what she experienced. And if she's untrustworthy as a narrator, you kind of have to take everything with a, yeah, but. But I think she'd be the first person to admit that she's not i mean she's she may be unintentionally untrustworthy yeah like i don't think that it's not again much as the thing you can't it's it's hard to characterize it as intentionally malicious yeah i think to say she might be an untrustworthy narrator but yeah. it might not be but on I, purpose i'm not you know? saying that it's malicious i'm just saying you can't trust everything that sure. comes out of her mouth yeah, yeah. That's- I mean, it's illustrated in one way with uh the guy she's sleeping with and how she he's saying essentially it's okay that we're doing this and she's like i don't think your wife would agree and he's like my wife has nothing to do with this she's perfect or something she's blameless she's blameless i'm like it's that mentality that when someone's doing something they know is wrong they will come up with a Mm -hmm. rational explanation to be like no it's okay like it's not it's they'll understand later or something like that (laughs) you never want to feel like you're the bad guy you don't want to feel like you're the bad guy so Yes, I mean that's the complexity of being a human. Is everyone's their own hero, or everyone's their own? They're they're right. Well, like, and that's you kind of hit on something that I, I really appreciate about this movie is that there is no real clear cut bad guy. Like no, everyone, there isn't. Every one of the women that goes in there has a potential. Other than I'd say Shepard has a potentiality to be the bad guy, and none of them go that way. Like they're none of them. Like it, it, it is kind of how John was saying earlier. It is that duality of they're all both the good and the bad guy, and we get to see. For the most part, with Iron Man, maybe Tessa Thompson, like Tessa Thompson and Shepard, are the only two that really don't have that the bad edge to them. But everybody else, like, oh, they have good sides and most definitely bad sides. I forget um, what's the actress's name, the one that Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez. Yeah. I keep thinking of her as Jane. <laughs> uh, even with her character, when she starts to lose it, I have sympathy because the her even when she goes down her rationale of why she's doing what she's doing, I'm like. I can kind of see this from your perspective, but you're really freaking out and you need to hold it together. Mm-hmm. Well, <coughs> excuse me. She she loses it right from the get-go. Like, mm-hmm. like they're in there and when they wake up and they've been in there for four days and none of them remember being there for four days, she's the first one to kind of look like, 
I don't like this at all. Mm. And then by the time they get to, I don't remember the name of the, the station where they started at. And then they watch the video and she's like, well, trigger the light, trigger the light. It's like, what fucking light are you looking at? Well, she's, she just represents a person who doesn't want complexity, essentially, in their lives. There's people that want everything to be regimented and this is reality. And she was one of those people. She couldn't handle that I mean, her reality was shifting. Also, it's pretty normal to yeah, see totally. some dude's innards like twisting around like that and not be like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to handle yeah. that. And yeah. that's why a lot of a lot of people, people that I know, join the military because they need the regiment. They need someone to be like, this is your reality. And then the, the world makes sense to them. Or the church. Yeah. Or the yeah. church. Or the yeah. church. Yeah. Sorry to beat that drum no. again. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Johnny Record yeah. <laughs> Talks About Church at Movies podcast. But it is I true. It's when, there's a lot of people that need a set list of rules and then when those rules are challenged in a very like chaotic way which is what the shimmer is it's chaos they can't process it oh you mean like a bear that can use the voice of your holy dead friend? shit that whole <laughs> so good. scene oh my so god good. that was terrifying yeah that- it, it was and i appreciate it because um to pull a weird reference the ruins Sure. Where the uh, the plant life mimic the sounds of yeah. the people. I was like, that's a scary thing. I hope I see more of that in movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it had a human tongue. It, yeah. it oh, also yeah. had a human skull on the side of its head. I don't I know if anyone else noticed that. that. Oh, yeah. It like was absorbing its victims. That, that is a total nightmare bear. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare, nightmare bear. <laughs> uh, nightmare it, bear with that nightmare stare. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1v1, guys. Annihilation bear versus revenant bear. Oh, God. I will watch that. Oh, I, will take revenant bear. I will take revenant bears. I will take revenant bear. Revenant bear, I understand. No, revenant, annihilation bear. I, like, I get revenant bear's what, motivation. You, I, uh, annihilation Re- bear. Are we bear saying who's going to win? Or which one do you want to fight? It's, it's totally going to be a Game of Thronesy thing where it's yeah. like the uh, um, Brianna Tarth no, wants no. to fight the Nightmare Bear. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Bear. The, oh the Revenant Bear <laughs> thinks he's won, but the uh, Annihilation Bear comes in with the last like head crush thing. Yeah, and they both die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh god. No, no, and then I become a, a super story bear. going on of Brianna Tarth fighting the goddamn Nightmare. And then bear. you have Boo Boo who just wants. <laughs> To help steal a basket. <laughs> hey, hey boo boo. Like, I apologize. I, I, I don't want to be in this fight. Yogi, what the fuck? <laughs> this, we do not belong here. Yogi, we need to go home. <laughs> hey, boo boo. I cannot control. Cigarettes in the background. Hey, boo boo. I cannot control my transformation. R- Ranger Smith with two heads. Just like. <laughs> That's a hell of a bear hole we fell down. <laughs> Care Bear <laughs> Stare. <laughs> The only thing to defeat the Nightmare Bear is the Care Bear Stare. And Snuggles. <laughs> I just want to sell dryer sheets. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. I think we've got all the bears. But then there's the Charmin Bear who wipes oh, himself. Oh, I forget the yeah. Charmin Bear. He comes around the field like, what's the That's shit Snuggles, isn't it? Isn't his name Snuggles the Charmin Bear? I thought there was Snuggles also the... Snuggles is this fabric softener bear. Fabric softener yeah. and then... Well, there's also a downy oh, bear. Oh, there's a downy bear, right? Oh, With the, there's the so many bears. Bear. Oh, yeah. well, let's not forget about the honey bear. <laughs> Pooh bear. I regret all of this. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> the bear in the back of our ta- countdown videos. Oh, Any other bears? Stephen Cole bear does not like this conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude, can we make a... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that Japanese... Why are you putting your shirt? Not the Hunger Games. <laughs> Battle Royale. battle royale yes let's do a battle royale of bears bear battle royale <laughs> oh my god I, I'd have my money on the nightmare bear yeah, yeah. <laughs> the nightmare bear walks in that ring and every other bear's like oh fuck I gotta fuck fuck this fucking this. guy but Winnie can just make everything sticky and none of the other bears can get to him we're done with this tangent. <laughs>
is amazing. Oh, boy. This is now a podcast about bears. <laughs> right. I mean, oh. I would be on that show. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> um, let's let's move radically in a different direction. Let's talk performances of this movie. Uh, let, let's start with uh, let's start with the Natalie Portman. How do we think she did? People like her? Don't like her? Oh, magic. And I yeah. think yeah. that the fact that one of the big studio notes on this was trying to, like, we need to make her a hero and we need to make her more relatable was one of the big paramount things that they wanted to try to fix. Uh, I think would misses the point. Oh, yeah. I think Wait, it's they subtle. wanted to make her less relatable? Or more relatable. Oh. Like they wanted to make her like, you know, in a lot of the Ironically the that would have made her less relatable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a swing and a miss. Yeah, of like just as like she isn't complex, she isn't as hesitant. And I think that no, I the the, the and again like so much is on like furrowed brow cam in yeah. this in a way that I think is really great. And she brings a quiet assurance to it. Like you can see, I love the way that, and maybe it's just years of good acting training or a good coach, but like the, the instilled military senses of her are just there. Like something, there's a noise and the gun comes up and she just like yeah. locks into a mode and there it's uh, I, yeah that I conversation the, in the, the canoe shot. that conversation in the canoe where she was like I am military she was like talking about her time in the military I believed it mm. because of her stature but her you poise also, and all that you also believe her at the end where that black swan training came in <laughs> and she did the whole dance I would love to have seen like the behind the scenes on that um, on, on the dance that she did with whoever was in the green suit yeah because um, it was flawless it was really yeah. so there was like this elegance and grace and femininity but you also totally buy her as a soul who can kick ass and as a scientist who understands all this work she she brought it i also wonder whether or not how much was makeup and how much was her changing her body physically because mm. as i'm watching the movie particularly when you get to the end she's gaunt yeah. like their l- lines on her face are harsh she doesn't look like she's been eating well at all and then it when you cut to she hasn't been eating at all that's like yeah, the first thing she, she hasn't she really been eating and then you cut to her in the clean room her face is full and she looks healthy. I mean, she's got some wounds on her face, but she looks healthy. Hmm. So it's a very stark difference between the like what she looks at at the end in the lighthouse and then when she's sitting in the chair. I don't know if and anyone else picked up on that. It's one of those things that I, I will always love Alex Garland for. Of he does a lot of like subtle things that he doesn't call attention to, like a oh, lesser the tattoo. Director. Yeah. I love the the swapping of the tattoo. Yeah. The tattoo one of my yeah. favorite details where it's just. And she like throws a glance at it once, and then oh, you realize that it's just not there. They do the glance once where she looks down, and you can see it forming. Like you can yeah. see the bruise, kind of like oh, that turns into the tattoo. Yeah, that she he has. he uses inserts so effectively. Yeah, just real nice. And I don't usually like like I'm not a fan of Malik. I'm not a fan of things that are usually slow and super thoughtful and like really symbolic. So on on that level, I shouldn't like that. But Alice Garland is actually one of my favorite writers, and it's because he does that, but he makes it watchable he makes it the pacing is never boring and you're always like thinking as you're watching it he uses it in a way that is that is also in the service of story and not just about art uh and i just always love the way that he does that and he seems to be a really good getting back to natalie portman he seems to be a really good director for actors mm-hmm. like because he gets really good performances that are different out of people like you look at alicia vikander and i like alicia vikander but i think she was better in ex machina than she's been in almost mm-hmm. anything else and it's like she's been very good in other things but like and say Natalie Portman in this. Like I, I've always been a fan of Natalie Portman since fucking the professional from her forever ago. She's always been one of my favorites. But he gets a performance out of her that I don't see in other movies. Like she's very different here than she does a lot of other places. You watch this versus Jackie, and she's great in both. 
But this is a very, like, so many layers go into this character without ever calling any of them, like, out and forward. You can still see all There's, of them constantly yeah. going in her head. And I, there I, I really There isn't very like much that. exposition in this movie. No. And like, that's really interesting for a movie like this within like, slightly more unexperienced, not even unexperienced because they only made two movies, but, like, different hands there'd be a shit ton of exposition. We might have like a diary, like Blade Runner style of like explaining what's going on. Like there's people who'd be afraid to not let the audience make those leaps. And he wasn't. And with somebody like Natalie Portman, you can see everything. Like, and she did such a good job. And with at, it. at some point we should just talk about the adaptation process behind this whole thing too. Was there one? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, the whole, I mean, the, 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 the myth, right. Yeah. As all these things I think are more myth than actual story. Was he like read the book once and then wrote the screenplay yeah. based on his memory of the book. Mm. And it's funny because I had two friends who wanted to go see this. And one of them, he and his wife had read all the books. They loved the books. They were into like, give me the books. And then the other friend, and I was like, oh God, is this going to be like a defiant Maze Runner situation? That's just going <laughs> to throw a bunch of expository yeah. bullshit at me that isn't going to pay off for five movies. Or is this good? And my, my other friend's like, no, nah, man, go see it. It's the color out of space. The Lovecraft short story yeah. made into a great modern movie. You'll enjoy it. And I think that Garland's like, nope, nope, nope. Imagine this thing is like a 10-episode Netflix show. It would just drag. Oh, yeah. And it would over-explain. And it would just, like, just beat to death every good thing about this movie. Because of the time. And I think the abridged, abbreviated terseness of it in the room for interpretation yeah. is really what makes this a wonderful well, movie so like a take, movie take for example the the shimmer there's only like in the book they go through a very long explanation about to get into the shimmer there's only like a certain window you can go into it's always of a certain size there's only a certain place so like sometimes it's really tiny you have to crawl your way in sometimes it's really big and you can walk through it but it's never big enough for your vehicle to get in they over explain this like <clears throat> at nausea to make sure that you know why they're going here and not just going down the coastline that they say they can at the end of the movie just go straight to the lighthouse. Like they really kind of hammered into you and the movie doesn't explain any of that. So when you later in the movie, when like, well, why don't we just keep going deeper into the shimmer? We can get out. It seems almost like a crazed idea that why would we believe this at all? And it kind of leads more to character thought and like that's what, and I love it. It was great. If they'd over explain things that moment wouldn't have happened. And that's kind of the, why this is a good adaptation then. Cause it understands that it has to be a movie. This can't be a, a TV show. It can't run 10 hours. It's got to be succinct. It's got to be quick. And it's got to be like to the point. Yeah. And, and the book, not an anime. And not, not an anime. I want to point that out. And in a book, like for those types of things, that's helpful because we're also at work. Like when we're reading a book, we're not in time with the narrative. So yeah. where we can have all these things as we build like, okay, so this is a very specific way to get in. And that just questions that don't matter in this movie. Yeah. Like, so it's just like a, a smart knowledge of like, and wisdom of how to piece that together in a way that... You're not giving us unneeded questions. Yeah. So we can focus on the stuff that is more ambiguous. Yeah, I, I think more for a movie like this, more questions left on the table, I have no problem with. Like, there, There's some where it's like, I feel like when there's some filmmakers who leave questions on the table because they don't know the answers to their questions, right. and that's where I go nuts. But a question like, well, how can they get through there when a car can't get, like, that's not an important question. No. So cutting that off at the pass early is actually really good. Yeah, you just ignore it. And if you made your movie right, people won't question it. Right. And it's like the whole, like, what's the, the Jaws quote? The, uh, oh, we can't do this shot right now because the clouds will be different. And, okay, if they're looking at the clouds, we lost them. It's yeah. that entirely. Mm. Um, I say that about price tags at work all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true between you and me. Like, our job is to pay attention. Our job is to pay attention to that shit so that it doesn't become an issue yeah. in the cut. Like, yeah. that's so that the editor doesn't have to choose between 
you know, of course, clouds yeah. are not really our responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> You're the cloud bag. <laughs> Get a megaphone. Hey, clouds, cut it out. <laughs> Guys, bring that cloud back. Yeah. Back to one. Back to one. Back clouds. to one. Reset that cloud. Where's the cloud wrangler? And little tippet comes out and is like, sorry. Um, the other actor I want to talk about this uh, a lot because I love her and she doesn't do enough, in my opinion, is Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time she shows up, I'm like, oh, she's back. Hooray. Because she keeps kind of like, she just kind of comes out of the woodwork for things that she wants to do and that's it and it's great that you can do that but it means we don't see her very often i was thinking that actually about tessa thompson too she's a great picker like tessa thompson chooses roles that always say something it's never just like well i need a paycheck it always feels like she chose a role for a specific purpose much like jennifer jason lee when she does a role it's different Mm, like like both of these women are very good at like oh i'm gonna chameleon into this role Mm. like jennifer jason lee's role in this versus say hateful eight two completely different people and you buy her in both of them. Yeah. And same with Tessa Thompson. You buy her in this and then you buy her as Valkyrie. And Which are like, two completely different Could not be more different people. And it's like... One's uh, soft-spoken. One's <laughs> a drunk. Yeah. And I think you have not to... Not soft-spoken. You have to see within these within these women, you have to see a spectrum. Yeah. You have to mm-hmm. see a line and it, it's very important for Lena to be in the middle of the spectrum. If anything, she's maybe a little bit more to the uh, the doctor side, towards the Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee side. But you have to have someone that's to the right of her. Yeah. Someone who's that talk about like withholding information, who's just like she knows more than anybody. Yeah. And her is just hell bent on a focus, hell or high like, I'm getting there. You can come yeah. with me, you not come with me. We're going. And just like kind of just like a grit jaw. And and I think it's important to have that person to kind of drag us along. Yeah. And it leaves Portman free. It leaves Lena free to question, to, to vacillate a little. And it also makes Lena not a passive character. Like, by giving her, like, that sort of... Because you could very easily make Lena the, like, uh, I don't make decisions, I don't make choices, I'm just dragged along for everything character. And they did not do that with her. Like, she chose to go into the shimmer. Like, she was not invited. Also, and it's a little bit more subtle, when um, Dr. Ventress actually leaves them for a bit... Natalie Portman doesn't just chase after her, be like, wait up. She stays. Like, they stay. Yeah. And that's active. Like, that's an interest. Like, usually when a bunch of people go somewhere, you can choose to just follow them or you stay back a little bit further to stay with others. Or and that's a very conscious choice in, like, group dynamics and things like that. Where you go on ahead. I'll catch up. Or even more so, like, on top of that with, uh, with her, it's, we're going to go forward. I think we should go back. And then she fucking cons them into going forward. Yeah. yeah. Like... Like, that was so smart. Like, yeah, I agree. We should leave. And the best way to do that is to go deeper in. And she gets them both. And it's like, Jesus. That's a smart cookie right there. <laughs> I like I like that dialogue. That part of dialogue. Yeah, it's it's mm. good. Um, what haven't we hit on this? What, what, I want to make one complaint about this movie. Go when, for it. When Tessa Thompson is dragged underwater by a giant fucking hybrid crocodile. And then they pull her out after this long, like, oh, it's pulling me. It's pulling me. And she's totally fine. Like, there's I didn't her like the legs that are they dropped like, their weapons. For five minutes. Yeah. What? That when they're when they all go into the water to help her instead of one of them staying up there with a gun. Oh my god, they all go into the water like, where she was just dragged underwater by a thing. <laughs> I mean I don't have really a defense for it. I, I thought I had something. Like, that, one of you know. one of you should stay out. Yeah. One of you should fire your gun. Yeah. You don't want to shoot Tessa Thompson yeah. either. That's well, wait till she comes up again and then shoot at the water. What if she doesn't come up Never. again? Yeah. Well then but she's she, my dead point is, like, and her you keep legs going. should be shredded. 
Well, he had her bag. She was very, very oh, specific oh, about like okay. yeah, it's yeah. got my bag. It's, it's got, got my backpack. Oh, it's got it was my a bag. very yeah, Jurassic Park moment. Like all her, like, <laughs> all right, I'll buy it. Yeah. And then from I'm then on, her like okay. tent is gone too. So like what I yeah. what I did like was uh, that I don't know if you guys had the same thought when they found the like people statues made of wood or whatever the plant people. Oh, those are just plants. The, yeah, yeah, those well, those are plants and they're people. That's what yeah. I was saying. Like yeah. at first, you're, at first when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. They made plants that look like people, and I was confused about what that meant. And then when she goes into the woods and you turn around and she's gone you're like oh shit those are all people yeah yeah and then you realize like all the people who didn't evacuate are all now plants or some of them anyway yeah i loved because the thing that visually like in some of the trailers um that almost lost me was kind of the big glass kind of very sci-fi looking whatever trees at the end and i'm like maybe that's a step too far and then you get into the mind of the movie and you're like no that's Sand trying to be a tree. Yeah. That's sand trying. It now has plant DNA. So the sand is growing. And then once I got that explanation, I like that paid off the visual for oh, me. God, the production designer for this movie must have had a magic. Really and the Greensman. Oh my God, the hardest yeah. working yeah, Greensman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for me, the, the the one last thing I really wanted to hammer, which I think is really interesting, and I think we're, we're coming into a very great era as someone who's a huge Lovecraft fan. Like that's yeah. my like, give me that flavor over just about anything. I think we're, a hundred years past the time when he was most prolific, you know, sure. 90, um, <laughs> we're recontextualizing him and we're being able to like filter out. Cause you go back, like there's a lot of misogyny and racism. Cause he was just like this really weird, uh, new England rich dude. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. but those ideas that he opened up into sci-fi is like cosmic horror in the vast emptiness and, and what is other, what is not like, judeo-christian understandings of the universe um are great ideas and i think this and i'm super excited that the book lovecraft country is great i'm excited to see the series again to give that into like the hands of people of color to deal with these themes and i think what is most powerful for me about annihilation is how beautiful and horrible it is together like it's not as much as you have the intestines and the bear there's also beauty and there's also, and I think that like the, the, the shimmer beast that they meet at the end, once, you know, Ventress explodes and turns into is like, I see it in my head as like, it's pretty much just like a Shoggoth, right? It's sure, like yeah. that, but it, but it's the most beautiful prismatic, like, you know, you see what someone with a t- more terse would describe as like eyes and mouths, are just these refractions and colors constantly moving and opening. And, and it was just like, oh man, you could take all those ideas and completely palette swap them, completely redress what is usually like that cold New England, rainy, whatever, into this like beautiful kind of like, you know, Gulf Coast swamp. <laughs> yeah, it's well, very visually appealing. And it's, it's, that- it's so interesting that they choose Ventress to then be the one who kind of. <clears throat> uh, kind of becomes a part of it through like an all consuming fire visual fire and like because of her her cancer and like how that affects and pull like overtakes everything and then it kind of applies outward to the the shimmer and what it's doing it's kind of the reverse of that but like these things aren't necessarily bad so it's like this weird mirror of her cancer too so it was i thought it was i i think that moment was really interesting for me to watch just from a visual representation and everything you said, how that kind of ties into that theme. When you're talking about the visuals, like I think all the choice, like they weren't just trying to make it pretty. I think it was a very specific choice to make it the way it was because how we were talking about uh, 
the shimmer being just shoved onto earth and it's this cosmic being that doesn't know what it's doing where you describe a child in that way and children are always destroying things they're taking things apart they're putting things together that in our rational minds don't go together and they're very reactive to colors like that's why all toys are Mm. very very bright and stuff so it's like it ties into the shimmer being a a a kid and trying to figure things out because it's putting things together, reconfiguring it. It doesn't quite understand what death is either. So there's always like these skulls that, I mean, you look at that creature and it should be dead, but it's not dead. And it has all these different pieces on it. And it's pretty. Like, I think that was all very purposeful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely something we said that like it's destructive and horrible and terrifying and gross while also being beautiful because it's creating new things. Like it definitely hits both of those tones throughout the whole movie. I loved the mold and the fungus and just the moss combinations on all of the different trees and the walls and stuff because you can't have life without destruction which is very much in this movie and molds and all that are life that is feeding off death and so i'm trying to see if how i'm going to say this that are to like that makes sense out of my brain it's just very symbolic, of course, because you have the reliance, essentially, on death and uh, creation on top of each other. I don't know where I'm going with this now. I lost well, it. I, it was... I had a thought, and it totally is over No, but it's good. It's, it's all cyclical. <laughs> yeah. It's a process yeah. that continues and evolves. Yeah. And... Well, that brings me to my, my, a question I had, because obviously there's a lot of questions in this movie. Do, do, does anybody feel like there's an answer? Is there any kind of message we're supposed to get from it, or is it simply just like putting an idea in front of us and let us, letting us explore it? I think that's what it mostly is, because to yeah. me that's what high art is. Mm-hmm. High art even an artist will create it and not necessarily know what they made. So especially for me, when I, when I was creating my own art, a lot of it was very just reactive. I didn't know what I was making. I just wanted to put like an emotion out there. And for me, I enjoy that type of art the most when someone will throw something or create something and I don't need to ask them what they intended because I will get a different message out of it. It doesn't. Not everyone needs to get the same message from it. Yeah, I think this movie does very good at just. It wants you to ask questions. Like, and I'm sure there are questions that Alex Garland knows the answers to, but I think it'd be more important to him that we have our own answers. Yeah. Um. There's a couple things I wanted to bring up really quick before we're done with this thing that uh, I want to see what your guys' take on it. Um. The two. The first one I'll start with is I didn't catch this the first time we saw it, and I want to see what you guys think it means. Uh, Chewie actually pointed out when they go to the house that the bear eventually uh, attacks them in. It's Natalie Portman's house. Mm-hmm. And even like uh, in like a special feature, they talk about that. That is her house. I picked up on it when we saw it in theaters. There's a very specific shot when you're when you're going into her house, uh, when she's about to repaint her bedroom. You just are set at the bottom of her stairs, just kind of looking at the stairs. And you go in the side is the into the kitchen, and on the other side is a very specifically grouping of photos. They don't go up the stairwell; they're at the bottom of the stairwell. And then when you get into the bear house, same stairwell, and then you just have hmm. one photo on the wall in the same spot that all the other ones were. And they, they do a moment with Natalie Portman where she walks in and goes, huh? And when you know it and you watch the scene over again, it's like, oh, shit, that is her house. Do you think it pulls from memory? Because he would have had a memory of that house as yeah. well as she would. Or so it could just be that they've been in that shimmer for so long. 
that it I overtook her house because I mean, she was, they weren't too far. She wasn't too far away from the Shimmer. I think she was far enough away. I I, 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 I can't think that it. it I would. I can't think that it would. Now I want to rewatch it. Again. Yeah, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta watch that scene again. Uh, You've always been here, yeah. but uh, because I trust uh, inherent, I am uh, legally bound, but I also inherently trust the eyes uh, of a good local forty-four member. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, because the shots even at the same angle and sure. everything. But I, I can't think. I can't think that it can be her actual house because they went from far enough outside yeah. of the shimmer to inside of the yeah. shimmer. That I don't think that it can be literally her house. I think maybe it, it is. I would be t- I would be more wanting to think that the shimmer is starting to mold and move. That's that's kind of what I took it as. Is yeah, that, like yeah. it. Because huh. I mean, it cloned him. Yeah, it's or whatever it did. It's reasonable to think it might also access memories, and then because he clearly has memories of her. Yeah, he he, he says he saw her like in the room. So, so so it would make sense that like it can build everything else. It could probably build a house. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And when he reemerges, he I assume he emerges in the house. Like when he shows up again, he just walks into the house and there he is. I feel like he went directly from the shimmer to the house somehow. That's kind of what it, it could felt be like. Pretend- yeah. Cuz when you the first shot you see of him is at the base of those stairs and he looks at the wall of photos and then he looks up the stairs and you See, you don't even see him start to walk up the stairs. You start to see him from her perspective coming up the stairs. We're not actually behind her, mm. and just I don't know. I think it was just one of those where like they're very tied to each other, and it's a very specific choice to have the movement and then the shot of those stairs. Yeah. So then yeah. that actually would tie better into the fact yeah. that I mean, when they're fighting at the when Natalie Portman is kind of tussling with the other. They both take aspects of each other, so it doesn't matter yeah. necessarily, perhaps then that she's herself at the end, or she won, or whoever won, because either way there was enough of an exchange between the two of them that she's essentially both. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but it's interesting to have that call to that, which would make me yeah. like because I missed that, then I wasn't getting that. Yeah. So with that in mind, I would go more to your what you said about and, her. And we know we talked about the tattoo, but we didn't really talk about how the tattoo that she got came from. Gina Rodriguez, Anya, because to me that's also interesting that she is absorbing traits from the other women. Oh yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to ask before we move into quotes on this thing is, what did you guys think the deer meant? Because apparently the internet exploded with what the hell the deer meant. The deer? Yeah, the Ah. two deer that moved entirely in (gasps) unison. Oh, I think uh, again, I think it's it's a systematic like sharing. Of things, I think mm-hmm. it, 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 it again, like neither of those deer were necessarily good or bad. Um, right. I think that you see them moving in sync almost to kind of set up that. I think it, it's just a, an, another hammer on the head of the whole duality yep. that you see then with the shimmer creating copies. I don't think one's like a real deer and one's like a shimmer deer. I think at some point they're just both a byproduct of this process. And sure. I think um, I, for me, that was really just a moment to really, as a, as a director, to be like, this ain't all bad. This isn't all yeah. crocodiles yeah. and well, intestines. So much snakes. of what was in this world was gorgeous. Yeah. And I think that, that it's the most stark. I mean, you see a lot of flora that's yeah. very gorgeous and, and colorful. And I think that they don't attack, they're not malicious. They're just a byproduct of the environment, and they're gorgeous. And I think we're just supposed to absorb that yeah. without going. For me, do you, do you think th- it had anything to do with Shepard? Because that's where apparently a lot of people thought, like the deer were part Shepard, because Shepard had just died near uh, there. Hmm. That's, that's like a reuni- re- reuniting with her, like a, a 
thematic reuniting with her kid. Maybe that's Maybe. like that's where people. That's, that's going even like kind of a stretch way for me. too far. And for I'm like, me, I don't know. I, don't I just think. viewed them as another representation of the duality of life and death. Yeah. Because one of the deer again looked very healthy, with blooms on his horn, blooms on his or her horns, and then the other deer was dirty, had a skeletal face, and hit the antlers looked like dead wood, like very much life succinct with death and how you can't exist without each other. To me, that's what that symbolizes. So then, a, like a kind of a good foreshadowing of the, the last shot. Then yeah. them yeah. together, them kind of forming together in sync, hugging. And, and having a, that aspects of life and death together. In a way, that's one of the more interesting things about this movie is it very much, like, it does have the death, it does have, like, the, the attack from the bear and the giant crocodile, whatever, but it also has this feeling that everything is part of a whole and it's all blending together. I mean, and Tessa Thompson's reaction to just sort of give up and join it and become part of it is actually t- tragic but also really beautiful. She's sort of just like, this is what she wants. She chooses to become part of it and become a plant, and, and, and that makes her happy. And for her character being a cutter, uh, to me, that was an exceptionally beautiful moment. Because when you are self-destructive in that manner, there's so much turmoil inside of you that you're trying to feel emotions and you are physically destroying yourself in some form. And then she go, and then she has sprouts coming out of her scars into something beautiful, beautiful scars. And then she goes, and it's like letting all of that tension and self hatred or whatever was driving you to mutilate yourself, just letting it go she's into becomes, absolution. She's become something beautiful that is yeah. part of something, and she she's doesn't not alone. have to fight it. Yeah. She does. She's, to She'll me, never I be alone again. Wonderful. She's part of a, yeah. a whole system that is all connected. And then it all burns down. And then it all burns. Down. <laughs> she could. I mean. She could be fine. She like all, fine. all that flora could still be there. We don't know. That's true. I mean, we did see a lot of it burn, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Alex Garland knows. Anyhow, <laughs> or gonna, does he? I was going to say the shadow knows, but nobody gets that reference. Anymore. I do. I <laughs> Thank love the you. shadow. You mean that Alec Baldwin movie? I saved no, your I don't. Life. <laughs> I saved your life, Roy Tan. <laughs> now it belongs to me. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move into quotes on this thing. Uh, I'm going to go first because I'm a bad feeling someone's going to steal mine if I don't. Uh, mine is actually a Tessa Thompson line, and it comes later in the movie in a scene that we were literally just talking about. Um, it's where she's uh, Jennifer Jason Lee has ran off to go to the lighthouse. Natalie Portman has woken up and found Tessa Thompson sitting there with now things growing out of her. And she looks at her, and after a little bit of conversation, she goes, uh, Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. I don't think I want either of those things. And then she stands up and just walks away. And it's a beautiful moment, and it says so much about her character. And it's one of the characters that I thought got like the least amount of screen time and I thought deserved more. And then I got to that scene, and I'm like, oh, no, you're just waiting for this moment. Like It worked perfectly. I was, oh, I love that moment. Ooh, I'll go. Um, I picked one out of the... I mean, I, I struggled with the kind of in medias res, like, interview segments, the Rashomon of it all. But, sure. like, um, again, I think Benedict Wong helped elevate that a bit and a good performance by Portman. Yep. And this is from one of those moments towards the middle. And I think really kind of just captures really what I think is lovely about this movie. Uh, and he, she's talking about the mutations and Lomax just kind of looks at her and goes, it was nightmarish. 
And Lena responds, not always. Sometimes it was beautiful. And I think that leads us right into kind of we see the deer and stuff after that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think really that's the whole idea of this movie is like, maybe it's not bad. Maybe it's not evil. Maybe it's just a thing. And maybe it's just different. And maybe it's just different. And I think that her line read on that, I think really just kind of like, here's a big blinking line of like, hey guys, this is what this movie's about. Yeah, right that works. Yeah. I, I got one. Um it's uh, from Dr. Ventress, and it's her speech about uh, the whole uh, we all self-destruct. Fuck um, you. That's the one I meant. <laughs> I only well, wrote one down. Well, it, it's the one that like affects me the most, because they're, they're talking about the difference between self-destruction and suicide. And as someone who has dealt with that in the past, like it's a, a thoughtful thing, and kind of was like, oh, okay, my, my ears perked up. But the one I want to focus on specifically is all of us self-destruct in some way, in some part of our lives. We drink, we smoke, we destabilize the good job, a happy marriage. But these aren't decisions. They're impulses. In fact, you're probably better able to equip, like you're better able to deal with that. And it was just the way she delivered it. I think that performance, the the thought process behind it, and just that distinction was important to me as I watched it. Nice. I was also like, oh, you're doing such a good uh, uh, psychologist dig at her right now where you know what she did. (laughs) Yeah. I'll piggyback off that since mine from is from the same speech, but technically not the same words. That okay. works. So, yeah. isn't self destruction words? Isn't self destruction programmed into us, coded into each cell? Because when she asked that question, I was just like, "Is it?" And then I started paying a lot of attention to the rest of the movie. And man, a lot of people fucking kill themselves in this movie, one yep. way or another. Yeah. They self destruct very much on purpose. Uh, so I was like, now I'm looking around like. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Do we all self-destruct? Is that true? And Lena says at the beginning, like, if we could fix that one thing in our cells, we'd all live forever. That cells would just replicate forever and ever and ever. She says yeah. that to Kane. We didn't even talk about Henrietta Lacks, guys. Yeah. Who's that? She's reading what? her books. Oh. Uh, we don't need to go down the rabbit do... hole right now. We've oh, already gone down a bear hole. We're not going down this rabbit hole. Bear hole. <laughs> that sounds if like a sex thing. If you don't know who Doesn't Henrietta Lacks is... It is a very important thing, not just in science and medicine, but also civil rights. There's so much about that oh, woman sure, and what yeah. happened to her and all the things that happened afterwards. And important to this movie. She's yes, reading her book important to this movie. Fuck you, science. Um, my quote also comes from Dr. Ventress. Uh, one, I really enjoyed the fact that she was Dr. Ventress because Ventress is a character in Star Wars, if no one else yeah. remembered that, who was really awesome. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I liked this line of, we have many theories, few facts, which I think really speaks for this film and for how everyone, again, like I, how I like high art where you're not really presented with very many facts. You have to come up with theories and your own emotions and try to figure it out for yourself. Nice. Uh, <laughs> review system for today, it's going to be movies that have left you with more questions than answers. So that will be subjective to you. If Yeah. I'll go first because, you know, I thought of this, so I'm cheating. Of course. Uh, I'm going with Blade Runner. Uh, the first time I saw Blade Runner, I was left with that movie going, what the hell was that? I loved it, but I was so itty-bitty, and I didn't know what the hell I was watching, and I didn't really understand any of it, but I just remember watching the whole thing going, that was a beautiful nightmare, and I don't understand anything that just happened, but I will want to watch that movie as many times as possible. Much like I was left with this one. There's so many movies that are bad that I have questions about, but I like this movie, so I'm gonna go with Solaris. <laughs> okay. Because I was just French like, or Clooney. I haven't seen the French one, so. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so because I I enjoyed that movie and I liked a lot of what happened, but at the end I was just like, wait, what? Uh, what? So yeah. 
and it was very artsy you know i'm not sure how it holds up i haven't watched it in a while but i'll go ahead and just swing at the low-hanging fruit of donnie darko Mm. okay that one hit me in college like right at the right time where i saw what they were trying to do with like god and life and death and and i think all these things is like you know this is a big hammer for me and i think i said it in mother and I probably could have said it Nimbut Otter as well, but like uh, myth and the power of myth to tell these stories and to ruminate on these things about life and death. And I think this does a great job of like a little bit of weird, a little bit of, you know, Donnie Darko is the much more low key version of this, but a little bit of weird, a little bit of a visual that you're not sure what you're looking at. Something exciting, I think, is a really great way to, you know, it's the spoonful of sugar to a very deep philosophical conversation. Yeah. You know? The only picture I took of a cosplayer at Comic-Con this year was someone who cosplayed as the rabbit. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I got my movie, which I'm sure none of you will like. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Boo! What the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say boo no exactly, what you said, but now I really Emily. mean boo. <laughs> uh, Please explain. Super Mario Brothers, guys. A movie where you were watching it and you're like, What? <laughs> How? How? <laughs> Why? Why? What brought you to that decision? Why did you choose that aesthetic? Where is this going? Oh my god! And for me, at the end of it, I was like, "That was a wonderful roller coaster." A lot of people hated it. I don't agree with them. I think there's a lot in this movie that other people don't appreciate. I'm gonna that go is my a, feelings towards Annihilation. I'm going to go on a limb and say you are the only person in the world who has compared Annihilation to Super Mario. Oh, definitely. But truly, like, <laughs> talk about divisive guys. I'm not sure if I'd be proud of that. <laughs> well, you don't think I didn't like Super Mario Brothers either? I think it's pretty awesome. One of my greatest moments in my life is when I told... Uh, I just lost, his name just left my brain. John. John Leguizamo, that I love that movie, and he laughed at me. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, So I'm going to go with um, Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, in in terms of just in its headspace and kind of dealing with, uh, like, internal issues of the main characters and stuff like that. But I also really liked Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, and I like this movie. A lot of other comparisons I thought didn't give Annihilation enough credit. And after talking about it with you guys, I think it's, yeah, that's my review of it this movie eternal sunshine that that's how i felt i felt the i like them both quite a bit perfect now yeah all right i think we should do a round of plugs and get out of this thing uh my plug as always venture bros venture brothers podcast check us out uh johnny oh man just because you know back to back uh peppermint september 7th go see it uh it's out in the theaters posters i watched the trailer yeah i was like oh it's like lady punisher yeah, and it's just, and it's now on my, it's funny because it's just on my Facebook feed now, Yeah, which is just very, it's a very weird meta kind of feeling of it just pops up. Nice. Uh, yeah, and just at Johnny Recker, R-E-C-H-E-R, anywhere that counts, and uh, yeah. Nice. John, anything to plug? Uh, just keep, uh, rate like, rate and review us if you haven't, uh, read our articles and our blogs and things like that, and yeah. Nice. Emily? I mean, I, it's almost Halloween, guys. I can make you a costume, emilyblakesos.com. She'll be very excited about it. I will be. No, I'm just like, I say this every week and nobody ever takes me up on it. But I have time and a sewing studio and fabric and like a needle. So put me to work. I feel that you have more than one needle. 
I got one. <laughs> My God, but if it was just the one, what a wonderful it is a needle that would be. One. That works great. When it breaks, I have to tape it together with duct tape. It's a plus 10 needle of sewing. Look, I had to make a pact with an unknowable deity for this needle. Somebody make use of it, goddammit. Amazing. I will just plug I am back to work at Superstore. So that is coming on 10 4, I believe, October 4th. 10 4. I knew someone was going to do it. And it's all about babies, guys. Because I had a baby. The show's got a lot of babies in it. I never, never thought my life was going to be so connected to babies. So now it is. You're a baby person now. I'm a baby person now. Yep. Life is interesting. Life Uh, is babies. So I will plug. Babies. I'm plugging life, guys, because you never know what it's going to do to you. That's what you're going to get. Fitting for annihilation. Yeah, it is. So bye. 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 Bye.